Thank you, John. Morning, Bay Marin. You awake? All right. Well, I'll pray and then see if you're still awake, and then we'll, uh, we'll keep going. God, thank you for another Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. God, I pray that you would enliven us by your spirit this morning. Speak to us anew, deep in our hearts, and reveal more of yourself to us. And may we live from a place of love that only comes from you. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, children, so good to have you with us this morning. If you would like to, you may go back to the tables in the back and uh, engage in all kinds of fun shenanigans back there, I'm sure. So so this morning, uh, I want to do a couple of different things. First, I want to start with where we left off last week. Um, And we were talking about this passage in John chapter 5 where there was this man who had been unable to walk for over 30 years. He's lying next to this pool. And uh, Jesus comes along and sees the man. And he says to him, do you want to get well? Uh, Really interesting question. Do you want to get well? Uh, And he heals the man. He says, "Uh, take up your mat and walk. And the man does. And a little while later, some religious people see him carrying his mat, and they say, hey, you shouldn't be carrying your mat. It's the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus was always interested in healing on the Sabbath to see what kind of trouble he could rouse up. Uh, And uh, he said, well, the man who healed me told me to take my mat and carry it and walk. And they're like, who was it? And he said, I don't know. And then a little while later, Jesus finds the man. And here's what we didn't get to last week that I'm really interested in, because most people who uh, preach on this story or teach on this story, they kind of end with the healing. The man was healed. Yay! Uh, And they they don't get to this. And when um, you read through commentaries on this passage, uh, they kind of dance around this thing that Jesus says. And I don't like to dance around things. I like to dive in and say, let's... What's going on here? This is what Jesus says to the man. See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Wow, really Jesus-like, huh? (laughs) What? Jesus said this? Come on. Ah, let's avoid it. Let's just... What do you think's going on here? What what is Jesus saying to this man? Stop sinning. Because we know from other stories... We know from other texts that Jesus is really clear that uh, like physical ailments aren't a direct connect to sin. Like one, one time in John 9, uh, Jesus' disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, you don't get it. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. It has nothing to do with it. It's not, not what's going on here. And we see this in other texts in the Gospels, that Jesus uh, does, never connects sin with uh, physical ailments. So wh- why would Jesus say to this man, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you? What, what could be worse than not being able to walk for 38 years? What, 
How, how could this man's life get worse than what he's experienced for 38 years? Now he can walk. Now he's uh, able to work and run and whatever. Uh, and I think it goes back to Jesus' original question to this man. Uh, the next slide. Do you want to get well? Because read the story. The man never answers the question directly. The man never says, yes, I want to get well. So what's going on here? And we touched on this briefly last week, and I want to go a little deeper this week. The man's response is actually an excuse uh, on why he isn't well and and why he can't get well. Uh, And so Jesus just says, well, pick up your mat and walk. And he does. And what I hinted at last week is that I wonder if this man had grown so used to his condition that he has anxiety around being made well. He, he can't imagine life where he can walk. Uh, and, and perhaps, I was talking with John a little bit after this, John brought up an, a great point. Maybe this man has grown dependent on his ailment for his income. Perhaps people are giving him money out of charity because he can't work. And, and so the fear of if I can now walk, what, what am I going to do? Who am I apart from this ailment? And so I, I raise the question, I wonder, when Jesus comes to us and says, do you want to get well? What areas of our life are we not so sure if we want to be well from it? Whether it's workaholism or codependency or something else. I, uh, this morning when I shared uh, at the Quest in Novato about this, that, um, this woman came up to me and she said, um, last week when you talked about do you want to get well, she says, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I uh, recently was prescribed some pain medication for something. And she said there was this thing within me that was like, oh, yes, pain medication. And she said, then I heard your teaching last week, and I flushed them all down the toilet because I want to get well. I don't want to be dependent on a substance uh, for my well-being. I I wonder what things in our life we've grown so dependent on. We're not sure that we want to be made well. In fact, it it causes stress, anxiety uh, around if that was taken from me, who would I be without that, that thing? And so I wonder for this man, I, I wonder if his identity has become so wrapped up in his ailment that he can't imagine life without it. And so when Jesus comes and says something so shocking like stop sinning or something worse may happen to you, I think what Jesus is saying is live from that thing that I've placed it within you from the beginning. Because if you don't, if you find your identity in something other than me, your life is going to be worse. It, your life is going to be unfulfilling. You're not going to have inner peace. You're not going to have a sense of harmony and calm and shalom because you're living from something other than that which I've placed within you from the beginning. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. Not if you uh, keep on sinning, God's going to come down and judge you and make your life worse. No, you're going to make your own life worse. 
And it's your choice. Do you want to reap the consequences of finding your identity in something other than God? Or do you want to live from that place that God has put within you from the beginning of time and experience that which is transformational, that which is practicing resurrection, that which is love and peace and hope and goodness and healing and wholeness? Do you want to live from a place of wholeness? Uh, I need to ask myself that, own, that question. Do, do I want to get well? What things in my life do I question whether I want to be well from them or not? Because I've grown so used to them. They're, they're comfortable. Uh, and so I, I want to use that as a springboard. Uh, this morning, many of you have been asking so what is this thing you're doing, this nonprofit you're doing? What is this next thing you're doing? And uh, for a while, we had really thought that we were going to go do this in North Carolina. Uh, Jenna and I went there for a week on a discernment trip and came back not feeling a sense of peace about it. Uh, I went to Michigan for a week to see, do we go back to Michigan where we have family? Do we do it there? And we didn't have full peace around that either. And some elements of this have already begun here. So there's this growing sense of we just, we just need to give it a go here. We need to give it a try, this nonprofit work. Give it a try in, California, in Marin and uh, see how it goes, see how it works. So I want to share a little bit about it with you. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Going to make me blush. I think I am blushing. I don't know. Uh, it's called Center for Formation. You can find it at centerforformation.org or, or .com. Both lead there. Uh, and it's this, uh, this is the work I, I feel God's inviting me to, discovering that which is deepest within you. Uh, it's rooted in the Christian tradition. The Center for Formation recognizes our beginnings from creation. And to remember that which is deepest within us has been implanted from the beginning. It is the very image of God, the divine spark, the light of God, the very breath of God, which is always calling us back home to our true self in Christ. Uh, I want to keep discovering that which is deepest within me, and I want to be a part of guiding and facilitating experiences and helping others discover that which is deepest within them, to... to uh, um, not believe the lie that that which is deepest within us is, is ugly or bad or depraved, but that we were created in the image of God and that that which is deepest within us is of God, that the holy wind of God flowing through us with every breath we take. And there, there is something more that we are invited into uh, and that God has invited us into. So there's there's a few different wings of this. I want to uh, of this work. I feel compelled to do, and I want to share a couple of them with you. Uh, the first I'm going to share with you has to do with some work I've I've been doing over the last several years on a very limited basis uh, that I hope to ramp up. Uh, given I'll have uh, some more time to invest in this. And next slide. It's this organization called Harbor Ministries, and they have this thing called Rhythm and Twenty and Rogue Journey, and uh, they've. We've uh, led 10 Rhythm and 20 groups and three, uh, 10 Rogue Journey groups, but 
I've only been a part of three of them uh, because I just haven't had the margin to be a part of more. The guy who started it, Tim Bolke, has regularly asked me to be more involved, to help lead more groups. Rhythm is a three-year journey. Rogue's a two-year journey. And I've just had to tell him no over and over again. Um, and my hope is in this next season of life, I'll be able to say yes to him more uh, and that uh, people will see the importance of this work and want to help support me being involved in this work. So it's, it's really, uh, the Rhythm in 20 piece is uh, identifying 20 emerging leaders and helping them and guiding them on a three-year journey, developing healthy and sustainable rhythms to life, uh, going deeper with God and those they're in relationship with, and then uh, giving them the tools to live well and to finish strong, to finish their life strong so they don't burn out and crash and no longer live with these healthy rhythms. And so we stay in touch with these guys and we help facilitate these experiences and uh, bring them along on the journey. And so I'm uh, going to show you a, a little video that kind of fleshes out a little more what this experience is all about and what we invite these guys into. We set out to create a whole new experience and space for men to change the entire trajectory of their journeys. Some people might call it a conference, but we believe it's so much more than that, that over the course of three years, it becomes a journey, a process, and even an invitation that lasts a lifetime. And somehow, someway, these crazy, bold 20 men traveled in from all over the country, not fully knowing what it was that they were stepping into, but trusting and believing that whatever adventure God had around the corner, it had to be worth the risk. step program or six keys to leadership but it's about this belief that transformation happens only through relationship that to know god we must first experience it it's about brotherhood and deep relationships it's about shutting the phone off and being present with others it's about being around the table with good food and good drink and even better conversations it's about finding a rhythm and balance to life that keeps our hearts on fire for the things that ultimately matter the most. It's about believing that you and I, we were made for something great. That God wants to be a part of every little moment of our story as it unfolds. That finishing the journey well, it begins with beautiful stories found today. It's about finding a deep resonance with the work that God has for you. And yet an equally as much passion for enjoying the spoils of adventure and play along the way. What you won't find here are celebrity speakers or flashy lights, but what we can promise is honest, 
and authentic conversations with men who too, in their own journey, are longing for more. Together we'll pursue mystery and challenge, introspection, a reckless pursuit of God. And in all of it, you won't be alone. safe place to rest, reflect, and find our strength and calm. We all definitely need a harbor. But ultimately, you and I, we were made for the open seas. So we, we take applications from guys all over the country and narrow it down to 20 guys uh, to participate in this three-year journey. Uh, and we walk with these guys through those three years and guide them and help them develop these uh, healthy, sustainable rhythms to life. So that's, that's one part of the work I'm going to be doing in this next season. Uh, another part of it that's more local I'm calling Pastor at Large. Uh, and... <laughs> Thanks, Mary Beth. Uh, so what that means is I, whether I'm on staff at a church or not, I'm always going to be a pastor at heart. It's just in my DNA that I will be a pastor at heart and, and uh, be present to people pastorally. Uh, and a, a, an area that God has allowed that to uh, take a, um, a direction I did not see coming here locally was to people who are not a part of a church, who uh, won't walk in those doors, but they long for spiritual conversations. And uh, so I, it's kind of two, two pieces to that part of pastor at large. I'm calling it pub pastor and porch pastor. Uh, so I've been frequently, for the last two to three years, I've been going to this uh, tap room in Novato called Beercraft uh, from time to time. And I have entered into relationship with a number of atheists, agnostics, and people who would say they're spiritual but want nothing to do with institutional religion. And God's given me the opportunity to have deep, deep conversations with these folks. Um, one of the, I, I'm not going to mention any of their names because they are local folks, uh, but uh, one of them who's an atheist, uh, when Jenna and I were in North Carolina discerning and we came back uh, and I got together with him, he said to me, so how, how'd it go? Uh, and he had been telling me, don't move, don't move, don't move. And so I look at him and I said, man, if I didn't know you were an atheist, I would have sworn that you were praying we wouldn't move to North Carolina. And he laughed and he goes, maybe I was. Uh, and so when I did this trip to Michigan, he texts me at one point, hey, are you back? You want to get together? And I said, no, I'm still in Michigan. And he said, when are you back? Knee pads wearing thin. Uh, <laughs> an atheist making jokes about praying on his knees that I won't move to Michigan. Um, you remember when we did the Ecclesiastes series? that I never quite finished, sorry. Uh, but we, we did the Ecclesiastes series, so one day... I'm in Beercraft, and I'm talking to another atheist friend of mine who grew up in a really, really rigid, almost cultish kind of religious uh, setting. And um, he asked me, what have you been teaching on at your church? And I 
told them, oh man, you would love this. I'm teaching on Ecclesiastes. It's a great book for atheists. And he said, I remember, and he knows the Bible uh, fairly well, and he said, I remember Ecclesiastes. Uh, He said, yeah, that is a good atheist book. And a couple weeks later, I see him again, and he sees me, and he walks in, and he goes, Matt, how long are you here for? I said, an hour or so. He said, I'm texting my wife right now, having her come. We've been uh, listening to the Ecclesiastes series. Invites his wife, who grew up in the same religious context, and they're just asking me question after question after question uh, about Ecclesiastes, about God. Uh, another atheist friend of ours walks in, and atheist one says to atheist two, hey, are, do you know the book of Ecclesiastes? He says, no, I've never heard of it. He said, well, Matt's teaching at it, on it at his church. You should check it out. And so he did. He texted both me and atheist number one, uh, that night, and he's going through the Ecclesiastes series. And to, so I'm like, an atheist just evangelized another atheist <laughs> to listen to me teach on the Bible. Uh, and I don't fully understand this. But God's given me an opportunity in these people's lives uh, to show them a different face of Jesus than what they've seen in the world. And they're interested, and they're compelled, and they want to talk about it. Um, One of them calls me Prophet Matt. Uh, (laughs) It's just been unbelievable. Um, I had one other story, but I'm going to skip that one. And another opportunity why I call it Porch Pastor is because I've also had this growing opportunity over the last several months to meet with a number of millennials uh, here in Marin who grew up in the church and have walked away. And I don't know if they're coming back. But what I do know is they long for spiritual conversation. And I've been getting together with them and talking with them about their spiritual journeys. Uh, and they long for it. They want to talk about it, but they don't want to come to church anymore for whatever reason. Uh, they got hurt, they, whatever. Uh, but they want somebody who's willing to talk with them about their faith journey. And I've, I get the opportunity to be a part of doing that. Um, next thing uh, is formational experiences. And this will be something that takes time and grows over time, but... Uh, I want to be able to create space and experiences for people to engage in a deeper way in in their spiritual journey, in their walk with God, in in discovering that which is deepest within them, Uh, whether through retreats or I have an idea about a school of formation that would be cohort-based and and be a year-long. And the way that's practically going to work out First is I'm uh, doing just one-on-one spiritual direction. And if you're unfamiliar with what spiritual direction is, it's uh, simply someone joining you on your spiritual journey, like a soul friend or a a spiritual friend who functions listening to the spirit in my own self, uh, discerning what the spirit is doing in you, and uh, creating space for the spirit to speak and and, uh, take you deeper into 
who God created you to be and what God's inviting you into as you discern your own space. So uh, these are some of the things I'm going to be doing. Interestingly, um, being a pub pastor and a porch pastor doesn't pay the bills. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, And so uh, I am also uh, partnering, or Dave and Karen with Creative Interfaces are functioning as a sponsor organization for Center for Formation. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Dave is, yeah. Dave's organization is already set up as a nonprofit 501c3, and so uh, that uh, frees me from needing to rush through that process because people can give to Creative Interfaces and earmark it for uh, Center for Formation. So uh, if you, it's on the Center for Formation website under Donate. It takes you to Creative Interfaces site. And there's a drop-down menu on Creative Interfaces' donate page that allows you to give to Center for Formation. Um, and so that's uh, if you're interested in supporting this work that God's inviting me into in this next season, I'd be really, really grateful. Um, so next slide. Uh, the psalmist says, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Uh, and that's, that's what I, I'm compelled to do, is um, be a part of something that helps wake us all up to this deep calling to deep, that this deep, intimate, loving creator God of the universe is speaking into the deep places of our soul and inviting us to live from that place. Uh, And we've talked about this a number of times. I just love the way Eugene Peterson frames this. But next slide. Uh, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So as I continue my own journey of learning these unforced rhythms of grace, as I continue my own journey of walking with Christ, uh, I want to be a part of facilitating and creating experiences and opportunities for others to do the same. Uh, And so... That's what I'm going to do. That's uh, what I'm looking at for this next season of life. Uh, And this morning, as we come and experience something together that we do every Sunday, taking this piece of bread and dipping it in the cup, it's my deep prayer and longing for all of us that we will experience the risen Christ this morning, that, that we, by God's grace, by the direction of the Spirit, we will be guided into more fully understanding and discovering that which is deepest within us and that it is of God. And when we take the bread and dip it in the cup and remember that which Jesus did for us, suffered and died, showed us how to live this rhythm of dying to self and rising to new life so that we could live from that which is deepest within us. Uh, uh, I pray that we will come with hearts of gratitude with hearts 
hearts of joy, with hearts of humility, with hearts of love, to experience once again the risen Christ in our midst. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus, the gift of grace and love, and the gift of your Spirit, who's always calling us back home to rediscover anew our true self in Christ. May we live from that place. And this morning, as we take the bread and dip it in the cup and remember the cross of Christ, the life of Christ, and ultimately the resurrection of Christ, may you wake us up all the more to who you've created us to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.